This is Inside the Apple Studio, the podcast that details the intersection of architecture and Apple and explores how architects and other design professionals use Apple products in the practice of architecture. With your host, architect Neil Pan. Welcome to Inside the Apple Studio. In this episode, we'll be doing something a little different. Instead of hearing from another architect, we're going to talk with someone who you likely don't know, but who has a major impact on the tools architects use every day. We're also going to get a peek into some of the new features coming soon and learn what it takes to create an Apple Silicon native application, along with the benefits that come with it. I'm pleased to welcome Vectorworks Chief Technology Officer, Steve Johnson, to the show. Welcome, Steve. Oh, welcome. It's great to be here. It's a very exciting time to be in architecture and around Apple. Yes, I know, right? With all of the new, I mean, we're going to get more into it later, but Apple Silicon, I, to me, just feels like it's going to open up a whole new world for architects and software vendors like yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get started first off with, if for listeners who may not already be familiar with Vectorworks, can you share some history of Vectorworks and how it's used in the AEC industry? Well, sure. Um, it's kind of related to the excitement about Apple. If you, if you think about the history, um, it goes all the way back to 1985 and then uh, Vectorworks was Minicad. It was born on an Apple Lisa back in the time. It's called Minicad because it was running on a mini computer. <laughs> and then that name kind of stuck, but we didn't like Mini, so it changed to Vectorworks. So it was born on the Mac, and then you know, of course, it enjoys the the all that comes with that. It was a, originally a 3D program. You know, it was kind of the Mac draft that came back way back then. Yeah, uh, it started as MiniCAD, but it really kind of excelled in the the beginning, taking architects, mostly architects, from the pencil and paper to the digital, the first digital wave, and really kind of excelled because it's, it really could be celebrated on it with its presentations, the graphics that are associated with Apple and just design that whole, whole sense of what Apple meant. We kind of built off that because our, our, we gave designers, the AEC industry, you know, a place to, to move to the digital world and to create plans and drawings that just looked great. And so we're really, really part of our core heritage, but and then as the time went on, the newer digital revolution, you know, moving to a more 3D world and moving to BIM and all that stuff, we take that whole, you know, transition. It's been a long time. You know, we're in following technology and all these trends over 30 years. So we've been at it for a long time. We went through Apple's transition from PowerPC to Intel. We went to Windows. We added geometry kernels. We got more and more sophisticated with what we're doing over time. And and then we added products too. And so how Vectorworks, you know, it finds itself serving designers. Um, we, we'll talk more about why we feel that's at our core, but designers in a lot of places. But a lot of the places are around, in and around buildings, whether the building sits on a site or you have an interior space or even designing things that go into those spaces or entertainment too. So we have three, Vectorworks is now serving many industries, you know, but it was really born serving the architectural industry and the buildings and all the spaces and things that are in and around that. Now, you've worked at Vectorworks for a few years now. Uh, take us through your various <laughs> roles at Vectorworks and define what your role as a chief technology officer is at Vectorworks and kind of what that, what do you do with that? To kind of just get into the history of that, I mean, I have these gray hairs, if your viewers could see it. So I have been here a while. I I just finished this year with that intern. I started at Vectorworks as kind of an intern way back when, but that intern gave me an act, you know, gave, gave me some insights into, you know, how the customers are using it. It used to be I would get interns, you know, and do technical stuff. Um, so now as CTO, I'm kind of, I've come up from the beginning as a, from the beginning as an intern and then moving into the 2D stuff and into the 3D stuff and doing all that technology stuff. And now I kind of watch over that. CTO. I mean, every company is a technology company these days. Our architects, they run technology companies, but and ours is a big company, but I kind of do my part is the core technology that serves all those products. You know, the core technology that runs underneath the Macintosh platform and it serves, you know, all of our design problems. Um, so 
So that's kind of where I fit in. It's not, not the entire technical officer for the entire operation, but focusing on the, the core Vectorworks application and all of its technology that needs to keep up and be reinvented and relevant as we you know move forward. And then that's kind of a constant theme. And so I kind of look forward to managing all that effort. That's kind of what I do. Well, that's a good segue into the next several questions, really. And I want to talk about some of the challenges of maintaining and improving an application like Vectorworks that has such a long history in the AEC industry. How do you address improving or fixing features that have existed in Vectorworks for years? Yeah, that's a constant challenge. And you get it, you know, these fixing or things that kind of get maybe rough edges as you migrate to new technologies. That's one way things can be introduced or things that just don't quite have the, they don't get visited a lot, but there are these things and we constantly are looking for those. I mean, we're constantly trying to evolve to be relevant, but it's existing features. These are important too. And one of the ways we're doing that is I've been kind of a vice president and TTO for about three years, but we kind of simplified our mission. You know, we're really, and for my area, quality and performance and user interface and experience, we're just simplifying that. We're not trying to sell software all the time with new features necessarily. We saw, we're trying to solve, a, you know, the software at, uh, as a solution. And in most of our new customers, they don't know about new features. They just need something solid. And so we focus on the evolving and being relevant, but also we need to, uh, we have time when we do less to be able to focus on these features that are that you might be, you know, you're hinting at. I mean, I, I went and looked at your questions. You were polling some Twitter people and they, you know, they, they mentioned the trim tool. And so I said, well, if we, we're always trying to fix things. So I went and looked at the trim tool and, and we have an improvement there. We did fix it. We gained some insight because we're very serious about our forum and the way we engage with customers. I think, you know, Vectorworks, I think compared to the others, we really are connected. You know, it may not feel like it all the time, but, you know, we do have our ears out and listening to these things. And these things, these matter if you're, you know, the co- the total package um, includes all these existing features, you know, all the things that we're good at with 2D drafting, we don't want them to get rusty or have loose edges. We, it's all part of, I think, polishing that to, you know, to, to reach our goals. So how do we improve fixing them while well, we have our ears out? Yeah. We're doing less each year because of the way people interact with their software. It's not, they're not buying it new every year. Right. So we're not pressured to as much to have new features. I mean, there's new iterations and we stay relevant and it's all important too. So the question, how do you work with that? It's a balance. Has the move to software subscription kind of helped that balance? Because you just mentioned you're not always fixated on the new features to sell the product each year as it's being updated. Has that made a big change in that? It really, it it has. And I wouldn't call it subscription because we still we have lots of ways to own and interact with your software subscription is new. And that can be a choice for people that makes some sense. There's reasons why that's good, but it's not just subscription. We kind of, one of the numbers we track are um, these, um, we have a vector work service select, you know, you become a, you know, you mm-hmm. buy into that and that gets you the automatic updates and things like that. And, and those customers we track, you know, we want to keep them. So, you know, it's not so much about, you know, having to buy, get new customers, although we need, we need them, but they're not buying because of the new feature. They're buying because of the, re, you know, the reputation and the way we take care of the designers that we have. And so it really, you say, has subscription changed it? I think that's kind of a metaphor for it. I mean, you treat software purchasing differently, but we as developers, we treat it differently in that we're not, it's just focusing on the solution and these long-standing nagging issues and quality, and then also staying relevant. These are all more important than flashy new stuff. Sure. It does help address some of the the issues that you mentioned. Well, how do you balance fixing older issues or fixing issues that may have come up when you mentioned the trim tool, for instance, and balancing that between assigning resources to create new features? How do you, how do you judge that balance and, and how do you do that in your role? Well, it's, it's a, it's a very, the way, one way is that we, you know, when we're doing less and focusing on less, then we have time to, to, look, to look at these other things that are standing outside of what people might say needs to be done as a new feature. So it's interesting at this time of year, this is kind of part of the cycle where we're trying to arrange what are the newer, bigger features, but we, this is where we look at some of those older 
features and we look at those and listen and they they find a way of being um you know folded into the mix so the balance it's a con it's a juggling act there's no real formula it's driven primarily by some simple goals that i was saying that really come from new expectations on the software and that is you know we're doing less doing it better focusing on quality so this all it just has a place mm-hmm. you know it, it's not it's how does it balance it it's more important than than it used to be maybe when we're selling software every year by having you know lots of bells and whistles those are less important so the balance kind of comes naturally in that the way we develop is different now you mentioned the forums earlier. What impact does submitting like bug reports or posting in that forum help you prioritize where your team spends their time between major releases? It's uh, very important. We're on there listening. We have a team that basically, you know, when the forum team sees something, we have a Slack channel, not a modern new tools, you know, and we just bring in people so that they can we connect the engineers to that specific issue. So we we. We look at them as they come in. So there's a rhythm of listening to it. And mm-hmm. that's happening all the time. The bugs reporting, that gives us something concrete to work with. So it's a nice way to have the files and a real world workflow. And we can then c- contact users too. Now, everybody has their little, you know, their one issue. And it might not be that that's, you know, going to rise up and be the, can be fixed right away. It might be that it, it really is a part of a, a re-engineering effort that might need to happen. And so we need to kind of plan, well, when am I going to take this class of things and, and, and deal with those? So it, it, you know, and it can take time. It's not a simple, it's not just, oh, go, let's go to the forum and pick 30 and do them because, and be done with it. It's, it's, there is, I mean, what we're doing is kind of complex and it takes take some planning. And that's kind of what we're doing. We ask, what are we doing? We're trying to make, achieve that balance. When you mentioned re-engineering aspects of the software to say fix an, a specific issue, it takes a much larger effort to do that. Mm-hmm. How do you go about maybe communicating to the community that this is a bigger issue than just a quick software fix? And we're looking at re-engineering, you know, we have to do these things to fix this. And it's a bigger problem than this one issue sounds like. How do you go about communicating that to the users so that they understand, okay, that's may not get fixed in the release one or release two of a major software, but that's maybe a year from now, or maybe in a, on a longer roadmap to fix, or maybe we're not going to ever fix that because it's going to get replaced by some other new technology. And I'm completely theorizing here, but how do you go about communicating that to the users so that you can alleviate some of their frustration in the meantime? It's, it's a challenge. I mean, we, if they were lucky enough to see us maybe on the road shows or design summit, we might be able to share some of that information, but we have a, a new tool that we're making public it's called our public roadmap. It's new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being shared and it's, it kind of gives us, it, it kind of arranges the, what we're planning. It's a roadmap and it has three sections, what's scheduled, what's under development and what's uh, being researched. And we just added a more interactive element to this so that we can get feedback there. But that, to answer your question, how are we going to do that? We're working on that. And this roadmap is kind of a symbol of that because it's um, at least it's a forward facing way for you to see and it does speak to technology things that we're working on and and so you can kind of see those pockets you might be able to see it like in an architecture we have a lot of things with architectural things having to do with that are in and about and related to walls and windows and our wall our windows and we have lots of markets so there's that's a it's very regional and so it's a, a tough problem yeah but one of the things that you see in that roadmap is some it's wall re-engineering we're kind of having to revamp the wall so that we can service some of these nagging issues um, that, that, you know, users want to evolve um, some of the solutions we have. And, and that's an example of the, of a re-engineering project that we have some in this, in this release that speak to that. Yeah. But that's going on in the background. And so the roadmap is a way that we can do that. That's a tool we've just developed. When you mentioned the roadmap, I'm curious how much of an effect of say, when Apple comes out with their announcements at their Worldwide Developers Conference, which is typically in the early summer, June, typically, how does that affect your roadmap or does it at all? Because you know that's coming. You know Apple's going to be introducing new features. So how do you plan on 
engineering vector works to anticipate like, okay, we think Apple might do X or we don't know what they're going to do, but we need to be prepared for it. Right. And how do you address that? Yeah, that's, um, I mean, we have a very concrete story that we can tell about Apple Silicon, but before it, two or three years back, we, you know, at the developer conference, they announced that OpenGL, their graphics technology, they were going to replace that and that we deprecate it. Right. And so we knew we have our own graphics technology that provides the rendered interactive solid shading. We call it our Vectorworks graphics module, but it was built in, on top of OpenGL and we knew, and we had to start a project three years ago. Well, we've always been working on it, but we actively began on the, the metal conversion. Right. In a two year project. So I think that site speaks directly to that question. I mean, we had to, we got that, we had to, you know, re-engineer at the very low, you know, low level stuff, at, you know, talking with the GPU, you know, and again, to, to move forward, to be relevant with larger and larger BIM models and expectations. That was two years ago, beginning to move to metal. Right. We happened to have a wonderful um, bridge with when they released their Apple Silicon. It wasn't, you know, that didn't, that didn't come out like at the developer conference last June. It was more of a story about Monterey and they didn't have the next generation of Apple Silicon. But what I'm saying is we knew that ARM support and Apple Silicon was coming and metal would be an important part of that. And then we found a way to, and we might talk about this later because it's an interesting story about doing then, you know, becoming native. So how does it affect it? We, we see that it's really important. We plan for it. And then if it's squeezed, like, native was we take we move because we could and it's exciting and it, that's that's our silicon story which okay. i don't want to get distracted. sure we're going to get to that we're definitely going to get to it i do want to ask you quickly though what sort of interaction or feedback or assistance do you get from apple when you're working through when they announce uh, the beta and you go through this summer long beta process with apple and their operating system how much interaction or feedback do you have with uh, with apple on that this year it's a lot, and so I'm a little more biased, and we'll get to that. Um, yeah, but the, you, it comes out, and it say it's Mojave came out, and that was a, we had that one. Apple was really moving a little fast, and they kind of caught us, and then we had to interact with them and submit bugs over the summer and try to get to a stable, you know, release. And and we we got through that this year, for example. You know, we have a connection with Apple. Mm -hmm. Rob is his name, and, and and he helps us and prioritizes things to to help us get from the early release of let's make it current Monterey mm -hmm. and th through the release. Now they're coming out with their Monterey very soon. We've been testing on it since then. It was, we're remarkably well placed. There was very few issues and, and only really one showstopper where the save dialogue and it's an Apple bug it was too wide. And anyways, we communicated with Apple and they were able to, to, to fix it. And so that's how do they, how do we communicate? We have our connections. Okay. And that's just mostly the rhythm there is what new technology is coming out. Well, they say Apple's, you know, metal is the new thing. So we react. Right. And then there's new beta software and then there's bugs in their software and we beta test and we work with them so that we be ready for our customers when they flip the switch and everybody starts to upgrade automatically. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to move our discussion and talking a little bit about some specific BIM and other applications service features of Vectorworks. What's your approach on adding new BIM tools, for instance, and specifically, I'm, I'll, I'll mention like the stair tool. I know that a whole new BIM tool that was added to Vectorworks recently. And how do you make these types of BIM tools simple enough to say, in the case of the stair tool, model a stair quickly against adding so much complexity through the customization that it becomes too cumbersome to use. And the stair tool is a good story there because, you know, the stair ultimately has a lot of, you know, outcomes and it's, you know, it's hard to have all that, everything controlled from a dialogue say, and it has many parameters and it is, it is complex and it stands out and people have been talking about that. Well, how do we do it? This, this year we've added some interactive direct modeling reshaping to the stair. So, and it's kind of a nice, it's one of the, our favorite features this year. So the stair has its, how do we do it? It's got a, it's, we have a stair tool that's 
you know, complicated. And we're, we're trying to make it simple by make it, providing some of these direct modeling reshape grips around it so that it can be more of a conceptual tool at that point. And it can, it can be less of a burden and barrier. Yeah. And that probably happened. I mean, the direct modeling, we want to apply that to some of other, other things like windows and doors. We have some features this time about, um, per face texturing to be able to face, you know, texture things on a per face thing to be able to control it more directly. We can talk more about that, but, you know, yeah. giving more direct modeling so that this complexity is not so much dialogue driven. It's more interactive. We're always aiming for that. So as you see that users are having more difficulty than you anticipated with the tool, then you you're going back and like, how do we make that tool a little bit easier for somebody to use? Yes. Our solution is very powerful and complex and has all kinds of capability. We are always wrestling with how do you make it simpler and easier to use? That's, that's sure. part of our simple guiding principles. I mean, we have a, some baggage of things, you know, history, long history, in it, but that's kind of how do we do it? We're constantly focusing on it because it's, a, it's, it's a, an important challenge and we, we know it's needed and, and appreciated. So Now, VectorWorks is also has a, a integrations with more and more different applications and services like BIM object and others that extend that functionality of the software. What are some of the more recent integrations that you've added and what are the challenges of bringing them into VectorWorks? We've added a, a few of them. I mean, we have a Celebri connect that, that lets you connect with um, the Celebri workflows. Um, we've connected to some rendering, real-time rendering solutions like um, Enscape and, and Lumion. Well, that's a Windows only solution. So this year we have a, a connection to Twin Motion, a direct connection to t- Twin Motion. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly, I mean, our partnership, I mean, I said we have quality performance drives us, user interaction, and, and that's a big thing, but partner connections is another one. And we're constantly trying to expand that. I want to next talk about how Vectorworks markets and, and offers training. And one of the questions I did get from the public was, and I'm kind of phrasing it like this, is that your competitors are widely used in schools, and that generates graduates that already have knowledge of how to use those tools, which I'm hearing from some of the, my listeners. It makes it difficult for their firms to choose Vectorworks in finding quality applicants you know, that already are using it, and how do you get those applicants? So I'm curious, what's Vectorworks' approach on providing students licensing and what's the plan to have the software more widely used maybe in schools? The licensing and, you know, having free licensing and student additions, teachers and lab, free lab installations is something we do. Okay. Uh, The challenge is more about, you know, making, you know, reaching out and getting some footholds there. And so it's, you know, it's definitely uh, something where we know that's a key. So we want to get in and make students like student licensing easy and accessible and labs and get teachers to buy onto that. And, um, and, but we're also making it more, trying to make it more approachable and easier to learn with our Vectorworks university. And so, you know, even learning outside lifelong learning is an option there. It reminds me of my intern I had this year, who was an industrial design student and his project was kind of, you know, how do you approach it? But I'm hoping he takes it back to school and, you know, and, and become, you know, try to build on that and see if there's more um, adoption. We can talk some, you know, Georgia Tech into doing more, making it more easy for them to get hold of Vectorworks. I mean, we it's easy for them to get it. It's cheap for them to get it. It's free. It's just that hurdle, you know, and yes, it'd be great to just push a button and have all classes doing that. That's a, a marketing and sales activity, but yeah, we're trying to make the software as easy to use. And uh, the Vectorworks University is a, a new addition for, for that that's connected to the software. Let's talk a little bit about some of the training resources that Vectorworks provides. Uh, what sort of training, you just mentioned Vectorworks University. Tell me a little bit more about that and what other sort of opportunities are there? We provide custom training and we'll, we can do that. And then we have, the Vectorworks University is, is new and that has a curriculum and pace you know, that you can follow and to learn Vectorworks. And it's also going to be growing so that individual companies or practices can actually customize that so that, you know, bring people on through and take advantage of, the, of that platform as a, as a learning resource. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have training, custom training that we provide. And then the Vectorworks University is the other component that we're 
it's about it's in its second year now, and it's it's uh, it's really going to be a, a an important part of servicing that goal. So, with the custom training, is that something that if I was a VectorWorks user and I wanted to learn about a specific subject, or I'm having a, a difficulty on the stair tool, for instance, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. is that something that you know I can contact VectorWorks and have a trainer work with me one on one? There's the customer success that would let you maybe let you work with that one on one. And then there's the training where you could call up and arrange for a, you know, I would think if that was the stair tool, I think I'm sure we, we would we could have a training session for that and customize it. You need. Yeah, it, it usually is like an office that wants to bring in a trainer to kind of get them help train the office. But it, it's totally flexible in that sense. All right. So there's a, there are options out there for folks that want to learn more or increase their knowledge of maybe software they've been using for a number of years. Yeah. There's a, a, a common scenario is they've got vector, even the existing VectorWorks customers, you know, just knowing what's there, they're not using, you know, as well as new users who step in. Right. Let's move to Apple Silicon. VectorWorks has been around for a long time and has some likely some long established code. How much effort did it take to get VectorWorks 2022 ready to run natively on Apple Silicon? Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Very understated there. No, I mean, it's, um, we had the, the key to Apple Silicon is, you know, we have all of our code, which we can to use the computers. We compile it and Apple gave us tools to make that fairly straightforward. And that, yeah. that's a big thing. But then we also have a hundred, more than a hundred dependencies with other third-party things, whether it be our geometry kernel Parasolid mm -hmm. or our, with uh, Google, we have a Chromium sort of interface for web things. There's lots of different third-party softwares, and that probably was the biggest challenge was getting them to also participate because it's kind of all or nothing to have a universal binary. If you want to launch Vectorworks, and you will, mm -hmm. um, you get it, you'll launch it right now and it runs natively and it's a delightful experience. But to, for that to work, all of our code has been recompiled into a universal binary format for Intel and ARM. Mm -hmm. And all of software is distributed and we use libraries from other parties. All, all those providers have to also provide that universal binary. So we would compile open source solutions. We would talk to our third parties. They provide us deliberate um, universal binaries and we had our part. And so it, all that comes together into one VectorWorks installed on your desktop and you launch it and you're running native. We're really thrilled about where it is. And when you get it, and we don't have a lot of people, we have few people who can experience it with their M1, M1 machines. It's, it's a real delight. So you kind of sort of described a little bit about what my next question is, is that when you're creating this native version, and you, you mentioned you have different libraries. Do you take some of these libraries that have been already converted and others and then just launch the software and see what breaks? Uh, I mean, what is kind of that process of what's working, what's not? How does that process work to get to what you eventually get to, which is the, the Apple Silicon native version? I'm just curious a little bit about that process. We're not really using software you start up and launch as much as it's um they provide us software that we either put in one of the folders in the application bundle and then it starts and we talk, we talk through apis and you know you say i want to parasolid do this and it'll go do it and it'll run intel code before and then we have to talk to them and say well when are you going to give me the parasolid library mm -hmm. that will when i call you and say ask you to do this you'll do it natively and so they have to implement all of the we talk in terms of APIs. They just have to implement all their APIs, which we already talked to. Mm -hmm. And when they provide that and compile it into a universal binary, it kind of just, it hooks up and calls that stuff. And now we need to test it and they, but it's not, well, I don't know what else to say about that. That's it. That's, that's what the parasol. Now, some of the libraries we have to, they're third party. And then, so they come in as source. Mm -hmm. That means we have to compile it and using Apple tools. So how do you do it? You have to talk the third-party providers into doing it, or we have to compile it ourselves, and then we have to uh, make sure it works. The easier thing about it, not easier thing, is it's not, nothing is changing. There's no, no outcomes that are changing. It's, it's just 
A lot of it's done with the, the Apple tools for their compilers. That's probably why Parasolid could do what they did for us quickly. That's why they we could do it quickly too. So how Apple provided good tools mm -hmm. and we had dedication and commitment. <laughs> now, speaking of that dedication and commitment, Apple last year, actually, when they first made the announcement of Apple Silicon in, in the summer of 2020, provided a developer kit, a Mac mini. Were you using that developer kit? Did you get a hold of some of those to see what would happen? Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. I, I forget about this. That's a, as soon as they were available, it was two days and they were, it arrived. And then we definitely, that's part of the process, got on that and um, started examining what was necessary. And, and, you know, it took a while. It, it's such a big one. It, it, it took a while to be able to actually see something running. Uh -huh. Kind of had to work on the tools and, you know, in a, and kind of work on pieces and using that developer kit. And then it wasn't until I think it was probably February before we actually had a, a stripped down, well, maybe it was even March, a stripped down version of Vectorworks that, you know, removing all the stuff that just take away everything except what's really essential. And it was not, not till March where we could, you know, run it. So yes, we started with their developer kit at WWDC in June. I, it was probably June 7th. I think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and it was a, one individual's job at that point to kind of just explore and, and work with that. And then the team grew as, as we gained more and more knowledge about it. And that's the rest is history. Well, you've kind of Describe some of the challenges. I'm curious, what are some of the pleasant surprises that you encountered in getting version 2022 ready for Apple Silicon? They were all over the place. When you start up the application, it was a minute on my Intel, a, a late model MacBook Intel. Yeah. On my M1, it took 14 seconds. Oh my goodness. Wow. I mean, we knew we wanted to be a, be there, and you look back and you look at the engineering more specifically, you can see why it's happened. It's really impressive. But I mean, that's a simple message. Now that shows itself in a lot of ways. That's kind of taken advantage of you know the silicon on a chip, mm -hmm. and just things at seven nanometers, five nanometers, yeah, and closer coupling and the way they, it's all more technology than I even understand. Although I'm impressed, that just all moves and functions faster and more efficiently and so you the startup, you see it with any CPU-based things like a rendering, you'll, you'll see it being faster because of the the you know the risk architecture right. underneath the hood. And the one I really not liked was that it, you know, these came out with just eight gigabytes. I got the MacBook Air. Okay. Because that was the first one I'd get my hands on. And the silicon on a chip and the way it interacts with your SSD. Yeah it makes that memory almost like it's RAM. It really blurs that. So, you know, people say, well, it's not a professional machine and that's true. And they're going to have bigger machines later. But the thing that really surprised me at that point was I was running this on a MacBook Air with eight gigabytes just because that was the fastest thing I could get. And I was loading files that were challenging my, you know, MacBook, you know. The, the Intel version. Yeah. And, and then, the, you know, I got a new one with, you know, has a 16 gigabytes, but the, it just, things just work. So, you know, bigger BIM files come in and they work more efficiently because of that, even though you're sitting, you know, with just 16 gigabytes. Right. Things like selecting objects, you know, it's just, it's just crisp. It's fast. Everything is just fast. The Apple has um, all the UI controls that you see, and we have a big interface with lots of controls in our info palette or in our, they have some low level stuff behind the scenes that makes all that stuff faster too. So, you know, all that inter interface that is created and moved around fast under the hood. And that a lot of that has to do with metal. Uh -huh. They use metal for their interface. And then we're talking directly to metal too, which is kind of the final point for all the stuff inside the drawing window where, you know, our frame rates are smoother and dubbed twice as fast. And it's hard to point to, you know, any one particular thing. I mean, I think the opening timing is a very clear thing, but it, the, all this stuff is working for you. And it just, when it's working for you, it's a, just a real delight. I think Apple customers who happen to get this are going to be totally delighted because it's just, you know, what if you're driving down the road and it's 55 miles an hour? Well, what, and we see this across the board, it's twice as fast on almost everything or more. Wow. 
just imagine if they raise the speed limit to twice as much and how that kind of just gets rid of a major limitation or a frustration you're designing and you're waiting on your software. I mean, that's our challenge anyways. Every day we try to we try to remove the burden of waiting on software that has lots of, I mean, design pro, you know, designs that have lots of data, just making that fast is always a challenge. And then when you get this M1 bonus on top of it, it just <laughs> if I sound excited or overly excited, it's because I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's great. Let's keep the excitement going. What sort of new features are coming to VectorWorks 2022? I'll, I can, I'll be glad to talk about them. I mean, there's a, I, most, but there's core features. We kind of performance improvements, some BIM workflows and interoperability and user interface stuff. But let, um, let's just, we can go through some of them. Sure. Uh, we, we've talked about Apple and and you know apple silicon and metal that's, that's certainly a big story and but then there's also other next generation tech we talk about and that's our maxon connection okay our maxon built-in they they provide our our built-in rendering solution with it we call renderworks mm-hmm. well we've now taken advantage of their redshift they bought into the redshift was an acquisition mm-hmm. and redshift is a GPU-based rendering technology, which is now because of because of our relationship there, we're now connected to a new Redshift render mode, which gives you a, a connection taking VectorWorks and, and rendering it with Maxon's new GPU-based rendering. And so that's it has real real value now, and that is you know it, it gives you some significant speed improvements for real-time rendering. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost it's also a statement about just being connected to the next generation of technology. They they're working on um, they're going to make real time rendering as fast as you know what, what we work what we're used to working with with our OpenGL or our metal thing. So it comes in this release as Redshift render mode, and it's connected to our our RenderWorks solution, and um, so that gives you an, a, a a nice feature and an, a nice reminder that they're we're in it for the long haul here. It's going to be some all. Good stuff coming. Okay. I passed over it, but there's the a big thing. Mac, the Mac customers this year have a lot to be excited about. And finally, they got a, a twin motion connection. We've had these external third-party rendering connections that were Windows only, and that was a little frustrating for a while. So twin motion direct link. We had a we did an export of Epic's DataSmith file format, which is kind of their, that's their new next generation way of talking talked about APIs. That's mm-hmm. the way you talk to, to Epic. And that's the way you talked in a modern way to twin motion. So we, others have had the twin motion connection before, but now this is a t- twin motion connection with a direct connect with their new modern API, which is a good, good solution now and a good forward positioning for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Hidden line rendering is now being done in the background. Um, we a constant re-engineering. I, I'm focusing on some of the core technologies first. But the hidden line rendering, we it's a bottleneck of time, and it's being done in the background now, and it's kind of moving to our um, our, our interactive real time sort of pattern. So it's it works in the background and it doesn't distract you or make you wait. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a small technology, a good improvement for speed, but it's and it's also a, a reminder of where we're going to constantly try to improve performance. Wall component control. This is a um, we did. This is a, our first installment of this reengineering of our walls so that. We can better serve some of the the things that are kind of nagging at us, or we want, you know, getting to the next level of, of of some of the things that we're looking for. And so the wall component, the reengineering involved in you know making our walls have real geometry inside, so that you could report on them better. And also now we can you know wrap components around wall, window openings. So it's that's kind of a nice. There's there's a multifaceted part of this. It's reengineering for the future. It's reengineering for better data reporting, which is a big story with VectorWorks. And then it's also, you know, has this component wrapping capability that's new and in this release. The direct stair editing is a feature we like to talk about. You already mentioned that it's an interactive sort of reshaping of the stair. So it makes it more approachable. Okay. You asked about the history of VectorWorks. It was born as a 3D program. It had a worksheet built into it. It had data records built into it and scripting. So we've had this all along and and now, you know, we're trying to re- remind ourselves of this. And data tags is a real nice thing we've been working on for the last couple features where it's kind of a consistent way of pointing at things mm-hmm. in the drawing and, and having an extract data out. 
for the user. So it, it really, it, they kind of automatically update and it makes for, it really improves a lot of our workflows. And so they, there's a set of improvements there. I think my favorite one for the, I think the BIM world is, is the worksheet expansion, which kind of talks about a lot of things, but for the customer, the first, the, the forward facing part of that is our criteria interface. It was rather unapproachable. It was kind of, it was difficult and slow to work with, but it's, mm -hmm. it's the heart of being able to have a data tag or a worksheet formula pull out data for you. And so the criteria dialogue has a, a new UI overhaul. And it's really, I think, um, I think it's really a, a big feature for this release. And so it also kind of builds on our materials that we added last cycle. It gives us some better reporting on materials inside the components of walls and inside the components of the site. The worksheet expansion task is a real, I think a real winner in the BIM workflow area. All buildings sit on sites and Vectorworks, I think is very unique and is unique in that sense is that you can work with the site and the building at the same time. That's our landmark product, the landscape. You know, we have garden designers, but we also have architects that want the site and that the site yeah. now has components like walls do. So it just makes, you know, a big push for us is to make BIM for landscape because, you know, we have all this data in our model and, and in the landscape solution too. And so it's not just architects who want to report on quantities and materials and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that's a huge aspect for landscape architects. I, I think it really is. We always are looking at interoperability and file exchange. There's, um, so that's a constant thing. I don't, there's a um, GIS is a, a new addition. Last cycle, we brought in images and you could pull from ArcGIS, Esri, you could pull in images into your design, geolocated, and that's a nice feature. Um, what's added this cycle is um, we call them ArcGIS feature layers. So we can get data that's polygons and vector things, maybe the sewer lines or various things that are, you know, geolocated that might, you know, contribute to your design. So ArcGIS feature layers. Part of the worksheet expansion is just adding more and more formula that can pull data out. The project sharing, that's our collaboration solution. It had some enhancements to kind of keep track of what's been checked out. That's a smaller feature. Mm -hmm. So Libri Direct is the one I meant you, you asked about, um, you know, connections with third parties and, and Solibri. We use IFC to kind of exchange data to do the, you know, the analysis that can come from Solibri workflows. Okay. One of my favorites is, it's part of the Apple Silicon story, but let me just, they're very interested in us because we'll tell a great story for them. So suddenly, I mean, we've always communicated with them, but now their marketing department wants to have all our stuff because it's a great story. And we can get into that again. It's sorry to keep going back, but to, to send them 2022, two or three, four or five weeks ago, they're going to install it and it opens up and our user interface now, subtle improvement, but our attribute palette and our snapping palette are kind of arranged and they're, they look like they belong. It's part of our user interface. You know, we want the skin, the look to be modern, you know, it's grown over the years. So it's, you know, quality and performance are big, but user interface is big. And so when they open this up, Apple opens it up and they see, you know, what we're proud of. It's, you know, it's an evolution in our, on our user interface and the attribute palette, this cycle has been evolved, not only in where it, where it works, but it also, we've removed a lot of the, the nested dialogues. You can work directly. It's kind of part of the whole spirit of direct editing. When you go and you change the opacity, you don't need a preview dialogue to open, set it, close it, look at it, go back. So it's, it's a user experience. It's not just the skin. It's not just skin deep. It's, you know, it's some neat behaviors. And we're constantly working on that. It's a designer's program. If we want new users, if we want to compete in the, in the, in the educational session, you know, when they launch Vectorworks, they need to see that it's, this is one of our goals. It's, it's, it's the design, the user interface. It looked, we want it to look like it has, it was designed with an intent. So we're, we're always working on that, but it's a usability thing as well. Right. Our whole design workflow from, you know, we call it sketch to BIM sometimes, but conceptual all the way through documentation. And we know SketchUp is a product people use, but we think our, you know, our conceptual modeling, our 3D modeling is, we have many customers who just drop that. They work directly in Vectorworks because it's, it's just a, you don't have to import stuff. And we have all kinds of great capabilities. And every year we come up with one. And this year we addressed the texturing, and I've mentioned it before, but just be able to control texture on a per face 
actions so you just point with a paint tool and set the texture and drag and drop texture so it's it's kind of an evolution of our texturing interface and mm-hmm. and, and it's an exciting new feature if you had to pick one which feature are you most excited about in this next release oh I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, I mean, it could be the reshape tool now has a mode that lets you fix the area as you reshape. But I don't know if I want to call that one. Um, I I mean, I always am going to say Apple Silicon. Yeah. But the criteria interface to me is 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 my favorite in the work worksheet expansion because it's you know, it really unleashes what we've been, you know, really what's the power hiding behind all this design we have. All this data is behind there. We've always had great presentation. We've talked about data visualization as a, as a tool to change the way you visualize stuff. Yeah. And the, the interface to that or, or the interface to a data tag or the interface to a worksheet, all this access to the data that's your design, it's much more accessible with this criteria interface because they used to be kind of hidden behind a, you know, you had to work hard at it. Yeah. And so I, you know, I just, I love it because it kind of, it, it, it opens the door. It, it removes a limit to what's a really big thing for what Vectorworks does. So, you know, there's always all this stuff that Vectorworks things are hidden. People don't know about it or they might not be as easy to use. And this criteria, I just think is symbolic of, um, of a, you know, it's great in and of itself, but it's symbolic of a lot of things, you know, ease of use, all the data in our model. It's a, it's a great BIM feature. So if you're pressed and I can't say M1 or Apple Silicon, which I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to pick that one. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair enough. So as we start to wrap up here, I want you to at least reflect on, I mean, we've talked about all the different things that, and the, and the work that's gone into this. Can you tell me a little bit about the teams and the people behind the software at Vectorworks? Oh, I can. Oh, I could go on and on. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, want to shout out to the people that are doing all of this hard work to make oh, this happen. Oh, well, they'd love it. I, I'm sure I, I could give all their names. I, I can't wait. <laughs> no, I mean the the R and D part of this is one side, and then we have the the um, and I could talk about that. But then the the, the marketing and our you know, when we go to Apple and they say, your website looks awesome. That's a pretty cool compliment. So this whole interaction with um, Apple has re- reminded me how, how the whole organization is, 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 uh, is cooking. Yeah. Um, underneath them, you know, the teams I look over, I mean, the R&D and there's the product part. You know, I talked about the building and, the, you know, I watch over the technology that covers all these different um, areas. So we had the part of R&D focuses on the individual products and servicing all those. And those are the teams, the architect team and the landmark team and the spotlight or entertainment team. And our, you know, the team that puts together our publications, you know, the, the, the help and stuff like that. My team, the, the teams that do the, the Vectorworks graphics module, mm-hmm. that team that gave us metal, a very, very impressive contribution, um, very impressive engineering. It sounds like a huge effort from a lot of different people at Vectorworks to make this all come to fruition. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I really am proud of that because back when you asked about the history and the evolution, back when we started, there was probably 10 people and it was on the the splash screen. All of us were on the splash screen that worked on it. And And we all would work on individual features. Well, now we have 300 in the organization and we, to pull off metal or to pull off Apple Silicon or to pull off the worksheet and the, the, the mm-hmm. worksheet expansion, it takes a big team and you have to, and, it, and they do have to work together. And it's, 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 it's a very challenging and rewarding place. You know, the, the trim tool working or whatever feature they see, it's, it's, it's a complex world we work on, but, and we're, but we got, you know, our hearts are all in the right place. I mean, the, everybody's chasing the aspirations that, you know, your, your, your listeners are, they want us to do this. And, and that's why we tune into the forum. That's why we, lean into new technology and we're bold there because we have to remain relevant and it. Yeah. I don't know. I could go on and on and I'm sure I'm going too far, but yeah, there's all kinds of uh, people that should be shouted out and, and the, the spotlight should be shown. We just had our chilling ceremony every year 
we have a champagne chilling ceremony and, and it's a celebration and the R&D talks about it, you know, what we celebrate them. And then we hand it over to the rest of the organization because now they're going to sell it. So, I mean, I, that's the cycle. Every year we come to release, we talk to you guys every year and it reminds us of what a challenge we have and how good we, you know, we should feel about what we're doing. So where can users go to learn more uh, about the options available of VectorWorks, the different versions, and also the cost involved in either upgrading or in purchasing new if they're interested in that? The U.S. release is behind us. That's what we're talking about now. And going to VectorWorks.net will give you the information you want. And I didn't even realize I was kind of feeding into that question. I mean, the website is beautiful. You go there and 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 you you would find the the options and we do have a lot of options. Um, it's not a subscription only option. Perpetual license are there, and so you'll see all the options there. And and the, the pricing, it, it varies a little bit over you know the, each market. But I you know the, there's you'll check when you check out there you'll see I you know the pricing is I, you'll find out the pricing information. I I, I don't think it's in, increasing and I I haven't really studied that, but I think that's where you go. Vectorworks.net. Well, Steve, I want to thank you very much for spending the time to talk to us and give us the, the history and some of the thought process that goes into how do you upgrade and how do you manage uh, an existing application like this? And then all of the new exciting stuff. I really appreciate you sharing the story of Apple Silicon and some of the new features that are coming out in Vectorworks 2022. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. This is a great, t- exciting time to to be in and around Apple and the design area. We, we're very excited about it. I'm, I'm so glad we could talk to you because it's really symbolic of a big, big release for us. Well, great. Thanks again. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Inside the Apple Studio. I'd like to thank my guest, Vectorworks CTO, Steve Johnson, for joining me. If you are enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend and show them how to follow the show in their favorite podcast player. I've been your host, Neil Pan, and you can find me on Twitter at N-P-A-N-N. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Apple for Arc. That's Apple, F-O-R-A-R-C-H. Inside the Apple Studio is a production of Apple for Architects at apple 4 